Welcome to PR After Hours, your twice-weekly cocktail of business, PR, and marketing tips hosted by me, Alex Greenwood. Every week, we bring you virtual happy hours featuring business advice from entrepreneurs and leading thinkers in PR, marketing, and business. We're going to get started in just a moment, so stick with us. Do you know anybody who's worked with Sir Elton John or Elon Musk, sent people down to the wreck of the Titanic on the seabed or closed museums in Florence for a private dinner party and then had Andrea Bocelli serenade them while they ate their pasta? You do now. Quoted as the real-life Wizard of Oz by Forbes and Entrepreneur Magazine, Steve Sims is a best-selling author with Bluefishing the art of making things happen. He's a sought-after coach and a speaker at a variety of networks, groups, and associations, as well as the Pentagon and Harvard twice. Yeah, and you're all thinking, geez, how did Alex get him on his show? Well, we're going to find out because I made it happen. And that's why we're going to welcome Steve Sims, author and uh, the Wizard of Oz himself. Welcome, sir, to the Virtual Lounge. Oh, thanks for having me here. It's a pleasure. I am... Just dying to ask you so many questions, but I think what I want to really <laughs> nail down in our time together here is um, you started your life in such uh, an interesting way, literally carrying the hod as a bricklayer and uh, back in London. And look at you now, you're mingling with Sir Elton John. Could you tell us a little bit about your beginnings before we get into what you're really great at? Um, yeah, but it's, it's not that interesting. Um, I... <laughs> I left school at the age of 15 and went straight on, as you mentioned, uh, to my father's construction firm. So I was a bricklayer in the shitty end of London, getting rained on and cut up. But I had this gene that all entrepreneurs have. I was aggravated. You know, I was pissed off. I was like, hang on a minute. Is this my life? Now, I wasn't blessed back in the 80s to have Instagram to validate how inadequate my life was. So this was, just a, this was just a gut reaction that I was like, hang on a minute, you know, surely I can't be doing this for the rest of my life. And that aggravation propelled me to try and find something. And I failed. I failed gazillion times. And I discovered a ton of jobs that I was ill qualified <laughs> to do. Um, but I just carried on with this kind of demand for me to find something better. And in the end, I knew I could get up at 4.30 in the morning and jump on a building site and get dirty and go home at 8.30. So I wasn't, I wasn't scared of a, of a hard working day. So why wasn't I rich? So I literally went out to answer that question. Um, I wanted to surround myself with rich people, not poor people, because I knew what poor people were like, because I was one of them and it stank. Um, I wanted to surround myself with rich people and just go, why are you rich and I'm not? You know, what makes you, you know, successful and not me? You know, what do you got that I haven't? And with that kind of directness, I went out asking people. And along the way, I threw parties to get them to come to my parties. I threw events. And I only ever invited rich people because, again, I knew poor people didn't spend money because that was me. Um, and I just carried on. And the more rich people I surrounded myself with, do you know the funny thing is? They know rich people and they know famous people. So I went from throwing parties in Hong Kong, from clubs to penthouses, yachts, mansions, to working with 
the absolute biggest events in the planet, Formula One, Sorrel John's Oscar party, the New York Fashion Week, always to ask the question, why have you got it and I haven't? And that was the whole premise of it. Yeah, but you know, you, you make it sound as if, you know, this was usual and it certainly wasn't because you grew up with a mindset of, look, we're poor. That's all we're ever going to be. Get it out of your mind. We're not ever going to have abundance. Isn't that so? Well, that's what everyone else had. That's not what I was pissed off and I didn't understand why. that was So like all entrepreneurs, we don't settle. There's a famous thing about Elon Musk. Elon Musk was pissed off that, well, confused, should I say, that it took five days to wire from one U.S. bank to another U.S. bank. You know, what happens for those five days? You're sitting on my money. So he answered his own problem. He invented PayPal. And now look at it. We've got Venmo, Banks, Wire within the day. So he solved his point of aggravation. Would you say that if you were to distill what you have down into a superpower, it's the, the you don't lack any fear whatsoever of asking questions and of saying, basically, I'm going to put myself in the same room as other people. So how does that extrapolate uh, to everybody else. I mean, does, does everybody have to have that lack of fear or is it is it not even lack of fear? Is it foolhardiness or is it, what is it about you that other people can try to model? So it's funny you ask that question. I'm For people that can't see this, this, this interaction between me and you, I'm kind of like laughing here. I had a dinner party at my house about six, maybe seven years ago. And it had two of the lead actors from the then Marvel movies, okay? And so it was quite a, you know, an impressive party at my house. And one of the characters, as I say, from the movie, we'd all been drinking, and he turned around, he said, hey, you know, these superheroes, these superpowers, if you had a superpower, what would it be? Now, I was facing opposite him, and he said, let's start off on our left. And there was about 12 of us at my party. And uh, I thought to myself, wow, I've got to say what my superpower would be, you know, or, or is. And I, I, I was having trouble with it. It got around to me, and I wanted to say something like, oh, the superpower of foresight or the superpower to conquer your wildest dreams. I wanted to come out with something that made me sound, you know, super. And my wife turned around, and bear in mind, you've got to understand, I met her when she was 16 and I was 17. So she's been with me forever. She turned around and she went, babe, I've got it. I know your superpower. So I thought, oh, my wife's going to make me look good here. So I went, all right, babe, yeah, what's my superpower? And she went, it's easy. Steve's got the superpower of ignorance. (laughs) And she shut up. And I'm thinking, oh, my God. And the whole room was thinking, well, Steve's getting divorced. You know, <laughs> and she, she, she felt the temperature of the room change and she went, no, 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 think about it. He's always walked into a room with no, no conceivable idea that it will not go the way that he wants it. He's never gone into any kind of event with any kind of idea that he's not going to get the answer he wants. He's ignorant to it possibly going wrong. It does go wrong but he's always ignorant to it going that way. So I realized then that I'm not fearless. I'm just ignorant to it. You know, bearing in mind, you have these kids that aren't frightened of 
you know, certain things because they've never been introduced to them. How can you be frightened of something that you don't know? But what happens to us? We get installed with that fear as we grow up. And I never had it as a young lad from East London that never had any money, never knew what it was like to speak to a superstar, never knew what it was like to speak to a billionaire. How could I possibly be scared of it when I didn't know what it looked like? So I grew up ignorant. And I would ask blunt questions. I have literally asked the richest people, the most powerful people in the planet, people that you have no idea who they are, but they own things like countries. And I've gone, how are you rich and I'm not? Why are you successful and I'm not? What unicorn do you have that I don't that makes you who you are? I have blatantly and bluntly asked those questions to some very powerful people and been stunned by the answers, but never scared to ask because I've been too stupid to care about about being frightened. I bet it's incredibly refreshing for these folks who are extraordinarily accomplished to get that kind of candid question. Um, is that a fair statement? I'll just I'll just yeah. embroider that for a second here. Just say one reason I do this show is because I okay I'm not quite at your level of ignorant, but I'm fairly ignorant, and I like to ask. The questions, right? And and it, it almost never fails at the end of an interview with a, not always, but mostly they say, wow, that surprised me. That was way different than I thought it was going to be. So I wonder, have you had any reactions to your blunt questioning that's, you know, ignorant that just blew you away? I mean, or did they say something like, oh my God, nobody's ever asked me that before? Most of them have actually said no one's ever asked me before. Um, and I was at an event um, with, a, with a very powerful uh, San Francisco, you know, Silicon giant. And uh, we were going to go out for dinner that night. And I had uh, turned up at the office and he was holding a meeting within his top directors and stuff like that. And he came into his office and he came into the office wearing a blue suit. And I was already sitting in the office and they had already made me a drink. So I'm sitting there and he's like, hey, Steve, you know, we're ready to get. And I've known the guy for years as a client. And he's like, hey, Steve. And he turned around to me and he said, Turn around, he said, I'm going to change me, change out of this suit. All right, fair enough. You know, we were, we were that, that friendly by then. Um, but I said to him, I said, well, when you change out of that suit and you take it home tonight, maybe you ought to get the right one. Because I'd noticed his jacket, while he was wearing a blue suit, the jacket was a slightly different shade to the trousers. Obviously, during the dry cleaning, that got the suits mixed up. And he said, what do you mean? I said, well, look at your trousers. Your trousers are the wrong color of your jacket. And he said to me, he said, I've worn this suit for two days and I've been with probably about 600 people in the, in the factory here. No one's told me that. No one just said it. And I'm amazed at how many people are so frightened to say things. And the amount of people that, see, bear in mind, what is a rich person? And I'll give you the answer. It's a poor person with a lot of money. <laughs> that's, that's the answer, okay? It's still a person. They just have more digits in a bank account. They still want to go and have a beer and tell a dirty joke. They still want to do something that excites them and mesmerizes them. They still want to have a conversation. But for some reason, the second you meet someone, and I could show you this. In fact, maybe... Maybe I'll do an, uh, a, a psychological experiment on this and I'll video it. But if I introduced you to Bertie and I went, oh, here you go, man. You got meet Bertie. You'll go, oh, hey, how are you? 
But if I told you before you met him that he was one of the first billionaires and one of the richest men in the world and owned 30 companies, two countries, and, you know, if I said this to you, you may now be intimidated. How you spoke to him would be different. People would go, oh, it's, it's, a, it's a pleasure to meet you, Bertie. And, do you know, again, you can't see this because we're having a chat on a video and you're listening to the podcast. But the amount of people, when they meet people in a position of power, they actually bow. Now, if you don't think this is true, watch the Oscars when they do the red carpet and celebrities go over to take little selfies with the crowd. They bow. They lower their heads psychologically. And I don't know why, but it's still at us that when we meet someone in a position of power, we change the way we interact with them and we lower our head. We lean in and go, oh, it's a pleasure to meet you. And psychologically, we actually lower our head. It's weird. Why can we speak to people as equals when the first thing we do is put them on a pedestal and put them away from us? It's ridiculous. My gosh, Steve, I'm thinking back. You know, you know, I'm a public relations dude by, by day, and I, I meet all kinds of famous people, um, and I, I could drop a few names. And you know what? I almost guarantee you I've bowed to them. I, not fully at the waist, but as you said, dip your head, you know, and shake the hand and kind of dip the head down a little bit. I'm almost sure I've done that. It's a you, deference. I'll give Go you ahead. a funny example, funny story. Sorry to cut you in there. I had a client right. of mine that's a big fella from New Jersey, you know, big stocking guy. And for anyone that can't see me, I look like Brad Pitt. Um, I wish. Uh, I'm actually 240 pound of tattooed, you know, ugly. If you didn't know who I was and you saw me walking down the street at 11 o'clock at night, you may want to change side of the street. That kind of look. <laughs> um, my client is bigger and uglier than me. And he wanted to meet Sir Richard Branson. And I was actually doing an event for Eve Branson, his mum. She sadly passed away a couple of years ago. And Richard right. was at the event. So I had arranged with Richard for him to come and meet my client, who was very, very, who is very, very affluent. And I would probably say, probably worth the same amount of money as Sir Richard. So financially, they were around the same, but, you know, presence and notoriety, Richard had the upper hand, okay? My client was next to me. Now, Richard was walking towards me, and of course, he can't walk in a straight line because people jump on him. It's like handshake, selfie, handshake, selfie, handshake. You know, it takes 10 freaking minutes for him to get to you. As he's getting to me, my client started to bow, okay? Because Richard was getting closer to it. He just started lowering his shoulders and lowering his head, and you could see it happening. And Richard was getting close to us to make the introduction. So I didn't have too much time to actually do something about it. So I reached my hand around to my back pocket and smacked my client on the back of his head. All right? My client immediately, now I swear there's not a lot of people that have ever done that to this guy. He shot his back up. He shot his shoulders up. He puffed his chest out. And he looked around to me like he was going to eat me. Just as Richard turned up and went, Hey, Steve, how you doing? I went, Richard, how are you? I'd like you to meet. And at that time, the guy turned around to Richard, shoulders back, chest up, standing tall, and went, how are you? And they <laughs> met 
They met as equals, both standing upright, no di and they engaged in a conversation. And it took a few minutes, I've got to be honest with you, for my client to simmer down from the smack that I'd given him to the realization as to why I did it. And then afterwards, he said to me, I started to fucking bow, didn't I? And I went, yeah, you did. I've seen it before. And I knew you should never need to do that. But it was the only way to correct your start. And he was like, that, it was funny. He said, thank you so much, but don't ever do that again. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, if you do it again, I'll do it again. But, you know, so, but it's amazing how many people actually do change their body the second that they meet someone. You want to have a conversation with them. And then you're the ones responsible for screwing up the ability to meet them as an equal. Especially people who are famous. There's a difference, uh, yeah. I think, you correct, you correct me if I'm wrong, there's a difference between wealthy and famous, though. If there's somebody oh, yeah. is just is merely wealthy, that's one thing. But if they're famous, come on, let's admit it. I mean, I'm a PR guy, I know this. They get flipping tired of constantly having to be on and all of these things. So is there a different strategy for famous and wealthy, or do you just treat everybody the same? So for a start, I treat everyone the same, okay? Everyone is a person, okay? Everyone has a story. Everyone has a scar. If they don't have a story, if they don't have a scar, if they don't have failings, if they haven't made mistakes, I'm not going to be having a conversation with them in any case, okay? Because they're not going to be interesting to me, okay? Right. Um, but when famous people, and you, you, you've been in PR, as you say, so you've seen this. When you're next to someone that's wealthy they can be unknown you know yes. so and i've always loved you know there are people that could own the street that the event is going on but no one knows who they are you know and right. that's great and then you've got famous people and that's why you see a lot of famous people take drugs uh lose all of their money lose all their relationships because fame is fleeting and fame is toxic but you yeah. get a lot of people that are famous and people come up to them. Now, as the person's coming up to them, and we're now going into the uh, how to communicate with people, okay? Right. As people walk up to a famous person, the famous person knows, knows you want something. Right. See, let's be honest. If I phone you tonight at 8 o'clock at night, you can guarantee before you've answered the phone, I want something, Okay. Because when someone phones another person, they may want a chat. They may want to just check in with you. They may be wanting to be on your podcast. They may want an introduction from you. But when someone reaches out to you, no matter how it's done in life, you can be absolutely 100% sure they want something. Now, as a famous person, that's stood there going, what is it? Do they want me to endorse that product? Do they want a selfie? Are they going to tell me how they love my latest movie? It's all these kind of things. Now, all of this is going on in their head. You just want a selfie. These people are confused as hell. And the other downside, you've known this from PR, people walk up to you and they go, oh, Richard, how are you? And you're now thinking, shit, do they know me? Have I met them somewhere? Are they a, a relative or a friend of someone that's a friend of mine? All of this is going on in their head. So here's a tip. Whenever you meet anyone that's in any kind of profile, famous, no matter what level of being 
known they are, you do this. You go, hey, Steve, how are you? You don't know me. And you say that straight away, the person can calm down and go, oh, okay, that's okay. I don't know you. You've let me off the hook there. I can stop thinking. And then you say, I wondered, could I get a selfie with you? Could I talk to you about this? You state clearly why you have approached the person. It relaxes the other person. Okay. And they go, oh, you just want a selfie. No worries. They can be a lot calmer. But how many times do you see people go up and they go, hey, how are you? And the celebrities go like, well, who the fuck is this? And then the other person walks away going, well, that person was an arsehole. They didn't even communicate with me. They were so offish. No, no, no. You just put them on the spot. You had created a toxic situation that the person didn't know how to act. And now you're saying that they weren't very nice. No, you were the one that wasn't very nice. So do that every single time. You don't know me. And I just wanted to ask, can you do this? Can we talk? Make it clear why you're there. Steve, that in its simplicity, that is so brilliant because you're instantly, their defenses are going to go down to a degree, which is great. And they're going to be more open to what you want to ask. Now, they may say, no, you cannot take a selfie. Uh, Or they could be like Steve Martin, the comedian and actor. He had cards printed up that says, I met Steve Martin and it has his signature on it. He gives him that. He says, I don't want to take a picture with you, but at least he's not being what they would, you know, people don't walk away going, what an asshole. They're going, oh, wow, I got one of these cards. This is better than a selfie with Steve Martin. I got one of his cards. So I love that. So let me, let's take it out of the realm of the famous, if we could, Steve. Let's just talk about to the business owners and the people who are wanting to network in their own communities, if you don't mind, real quick. Let's say you're, okay. I think we're pretty evident within the next few months, lockdowns are mostly going to be over in most parts of the world. So we're going to start being interacting in person again. Thank God. Okay. What if you're at one of these chamber of commerce dues, you know, where there's the, there's the president of the local bank. Now they're not famous, but they're wealthy and they control a hell of a lot of business in town or have a lot of influence is I, I know you can use all of your lessons on that person, isn't that right? I mean, yeah. do, do you see what I'm saying? But I've actually seen people kind of bow to a bank president. In, you know yep. what I'm saying? So I'm just wondering, yep. any tips on that level? No. And the reason I say no is because the level doesn't... You see, me and you are no different, okay? Me, you, right. Elon Musk, the Pope, none of us are different. So don't, don't change the way you approach based on how they are Keep the same st- stats. If it's if you're in the if you're in the local PTA meeting, if you're in your local chamber of commerce, if you're in your local Better Business Bureau, and there's someone that you want to meet, and they have some kind of notoriety, no matter how small the sandpit is, you know they may be a big fish in a small pond. You can go up and say, "Hey, Roger, how are you?" Don't know me, but I've been really fascinated with seeing how you've been doing this. Could we converse about this for a few moments? It's the same thing for absolutely everyone. I was in a meeting and the guy was a Silicon Valley hotshot and he was working on a project and I knew he was going to be there. So when you're really trying to get a contract, don't leave it a chance. Do your research. Okay. I knew this guy was going to be at this event. I wanted to interact with this guy. I wanted to do business with this guy. So I did some research before I met him, saw him at the event, chose my time, went up to him, and I went, hey, how are you? And guess what I said? I said, you don't know me, 
but I know you're working on this project. And here's a real key piece of information. Rich people start to value their time more than poor people because they want to make impact with, with every hour they have. So don't mince your words. No one gives a shit what you had for dinner last night. No one gives a crap what you're binge watching on Netflix. So I turned up to this guy and said, you don't know me, but I know you're working on this project. And then I said this. I wondered when I was looking at it, I saw three ways that it could possibly become a problem. Had you possibly considered uh, uh, and uh? I showed up demonstrating that I had put some thought into three things that could catch him out on this part. And they were simple things. One of them was marketing. One of them was how he's going to distribute what it is he's in. And one of them, was, I forget what the other one was, but basic, simple solutions. He laughed at me. Now, I will be honest with you, was not the reaction I was expecting, <laughs> but he laughed at me. He looked at the guys next to him. They started laughing. So I'm now in a party trying to get this guy to take me seriously. He's giggling. His mates are giggling. And I'm going, and I'm a big fellow. I'm not used to being laughed at. And I'm like, all right, maybe I approached him wrong. Maybe my questions were wrong. I'm now going to walk away. I'm going to get a whiskey and I'm going to analyze how I approached this guy to see where I went wrong. That he laughed at me. That's what I was going to do. I didn't have the chance to do that because he grabbed me by the shoulder as he saw me starting to move away. He grabbed me by the shoulder and stopped me. And he said, no, no, no. He said, I've got to tell you, we're not laughing at you. He said, but we were working on this project for three years. We canceled it four months ago because we came up with the problem as being one of the solutions that you just said to us. He said, in a party with you knowing nothing about the project that we know everything about, you identified three, reason, uh, three reasons where it could go wrong and the one that made us decide not to proceed with it anymore. He said, thank you. He said, we, we wish we'd met you three years ago and you could have saved us all that headache. And then he said to me, that project doesn't exist anymore. But would you be open to looking at the new project that we're working on? And I got a contract out. Oh. You see, I showed up not as a fanboy. I showed up as a solution. I showed up as an asset. And people want solutions. People want assets. They don't actually want cheerleaders. Cheerleaders look very pretty in a short skirt, jumping up and down, going, oh, you're so wonderful. But you can't do crap with that. People want okay. solutions and an, and an asset. So if you're going to show up with someone, do your research, show up and go, hey, I like what you're doing, but have you thought of doing this? Show up that you're a solution. Steve, you know, and I know you, you'll you take this the, the way I mean it. Um, it's all so simple once you explain it to us. <laughs> oh, it's so, it's, and that's the thing. Someone actually, someone was saying to me, so what, you know, if I buy your book, Steve, you know, What's, what, what am I going to get out of it? And I said, to be honest with you, it's going to piss you off and you're going to think it's the biggest waste of money. And they were like, really? And I said, yes, because it's simple, stupid, impactful things 
that for some reason your brain cells have got together and said, I shouldn't be doing this. I should be overcomplicating it. And you've gone the wrong route. If it's not easy, if it's not impactful, it's not what I do. Elton John said that Steve Sims defines what it means to be your authentic self. And after this brief time with him, I agree. Steve, I have to ask you two quick questions because I know you got to go. But uh, first thing, Blue Fishing, we've got to get this book. It's available just about everywhere, correct? Yeah, Blue Fishing, The Art of Making Things Happen. It's on Amazon. It's on stevedsims.com, my website, which will just re redirect you back to Amazon. So you Google that and you'll find it. And real quick, and maybe that's not exactly what you're talking about today, but what is uh, what is Sims Distillery? Sims Distillery is my inner circle. It's for those aggravated, disruptive creators that actually want to do things a bit differently and build up a different support system. I call it the, the Hogwarts of the amazing entrepreneurs. Um, we do videos that they're in there for your own library consumption at later dates, but we do private AMAs. So you actually get to interact with me you get to tell me what your problem is, and I get experts to come in and answer those problems with you live on the line so that we can actually help you. So Sims Distillery is my inner circle for those aggravated oysters ready to make pearls. Yeah, well, whether it's climbing Everest, launching a business, applying for a dream job, or just finding happiness in everyday life, Steve Sims has some answers for you, folks. Steve, I uh, can't tell you just uh, what a blessing it was to speak with you today. I learned a lot. And, you know, it's funny because I thought I knew the answer to every one of these questions, and I sure as hell didn't. <laughs> well, thanks, Villa. It was, it was fun. Time's flown. Thanks for having me. Hey, listeners, are you considering new ways to build awareness for yourself, your clients, your brand, your business? Might I suggest the podcast option? The podcast option is actually my new ebook available exclusively on Amazon.com. In this fast reading book, I give you the benefit of my 15 years podcasting and broadcasting experience with stories, practical tips, and advice from hundreds of hours I've spent as a podcast host, producer, and guest. The podcast option is mandatory reading for those new to podcasting and a welcome addition to the Veteran Podcasters Library. You can get the podcast option, tips and tricks to make podcasting work for you exclusively on Amazon.com, or you can click on the link in the show notes or visit PRAfterHours.com. The podcast option. I hope you will choose it. Oh, you know what that means? Looks like it's last call here at your virtual lounge for PR news views and interviews. We'll keep it short and sweet. Just remind you, if you like the show, there's many ways you can help us keep it going. Not the least among which is to rate this podcast. Simply go to the show notes at PRAfterHours.com or wherever you're getting this podcast and click on the link ratethispodcast.com slash after and it will take you to Apple Podcasts and a couple other places very easily. One click, you write your review, it's done. Can't tell you enough how important it is to get ratings on those sites so that we can build our audience and keep bringing you the kind of information you need every week for your business. Also, don't forget if you want to sponsor the show, give us a tip in the virtual tip jar or ask a question. There are links in the show notes. Well, I think it's time that I uh, cleaned up and closed up for this edition of PR After Hours here on Anchor FM.